You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Nersa Sapashian is the co-host and co-founder of The Founder Hour, a podcast show which features some of the country's top founders and the stories of their entrepreneurial journeys. Nurses also works in commercial real estate at IDS Real Estate Group's corporate services arm, which includes tenant representation, facilities management, development management, and construction management. Nurses is joining us on the Self-Made Strategies podcast to talk about the best practices to help you develop your communities. Nurses will share stories about how they developed the podcast, how they got such big guests like Damon John and others on the show, how the podcast has helped amplify Nurses' professional life, but primarily how the podcast helped him focus on building communities. Here are the self-made strategies of Nurses Apashin. Hey, Tony, how's it going? What's up, Nurses? How you doing, man? Good. How about yourself? I, I feel like I should call you Posh. Uh, you can call me whatever you want. You call me, you can, you can call me like Roger, you know, probably answer. I'm the same way. I mean, you know, as, as an attorney, as a, as a day gig, I've been called worse than anything you can come up with probably. So yeah, if they fuck up Tony, then I don't know what to say. Like I have no, no it is nurses though, right? Yeah, I'm pronouncing it's, it's, it's right. It's nurses. Yeah. Yeah. Go with nurses. nurses. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on the podcast. I'm known by posh just because it sounds better when we say Pat and posh. Uh, but right. I go by nurses more often. And these days I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You better learn my name. <laughs> like, if I'm ever going to be president of the United States, they're going to have to learn how to say nurses. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they can say, well, Barack, yo, I was they just, say Barack, they can say nurses. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. uh, I was just checking out your show, the founder hour with Pat and posh. Yep. Awesome podcast. Very well produced. I of course subscribed and dropped you a five-star review. Thanks, man. Likewise. Uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, you recently had Damon John on the show and uh, just the, I mean, the list goes on of the people you guys have had on the show. Amazing content, really well produced. If you like entrepreneurial podcasts, if you're listening to this show, you probably do. So go check out Pat and Posh on the Founder Hour, but know that it's Narces. Yep. <laughs> awesome, man. So you primarily do commercial real estate. You do tenant rep. You do a lot of that stuff. We'll talk a little bit about what you do as a professional, but largely you're here to talk about building communities. And that's how we connected. Um, we, of course, connected on it was Clubhouse. Clubhouse. We connected on Clubhouse. We were in a room together. Recently, just kind of checking out people were in that room talking about building communities. I reached out to, to Posh, a.k.a. Nerces or Nerces, a.k.a. Posh. We'll figure it out. I'm going to stick to Nerces, though, like you said. And you were kind enough to agree to be on the show. We did an intro call, obviously, in prep and really connected a lot. You're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. This is going to be an interesting vibe for sure. But uh, I'm really interested to talk to you about how you've built a community, why you as a professional decided to go into podcasting. Maybe we can sort of uh, tip sort of tip share there a little bit um, sure. because I have my own reasons for being an attorney who then went into podcasting as well. So awesome. All right. Let's talk about the real estate career. How long have you been doing that? And how did you eventually decide that you wanted to develop the Founder Hour show with your co-host, Pat? I'm not sure which part of this was already recorded. Uh, or, you know, uh, if I'm allowed to cuss or not, so I'll try to keep it at a minimum. Go nuts. You can, you um, can go explicit no, if you no, want. I'll, I'll keep it at a minimum, but I, I, I do like to just, you know, express myself freely. Um, so thanks again for having me on this show. Uh, when you first reach out, uh, I was super excited. I love to share, you know, my story, especially when it's, uh, more so a topic like, you know, building communities as opposed to just somebody talking about me. I don't think anybody cares about, you know, me personally. Uh, and if they do, then, you know, hit me up. Uh, you know, I, I care about you too. Um, but chronologically speaking, the podcast came before uh, my job. So I'll start there. Um, it was, I had just graduated law school. I went to Loyola Law School in uh, Los Angeles, California, where I was born and raised. Um, been here ever since, never left. And Tony, funny enough, a lot of people say I'm a lot more like an East Coaster than I am a, a West Coast type, type of guy because I'm just like a straight shooter. Uh, right. we, had, we had Anthony Scaramucci on the show. Uh, it was recently, like, like a few weeks ago. 
And I was like, wow, we're, we, we could, I really get this guy, you know, like I'm, I'm a lot like him. Uh, you know, I think he also went to law school. Um, and so we started the podcast right after I graduated law school. I had already decided that I don't want to practice law. Um, and it was in September, October, 2017, uh, me and my best friend, Pat, uh, Pat uh, were discussing, you know, what can we do? You know, we always wanted to start a business. We've been entrepreneurial our whole lives. Um, and we just want to do something. And at the time we were listening to the podcast, how I built this with Guy Raz, which is obviously a very, very popular podcast uh, on NPR that a lot of people know and probably have heard of. Uh, and I still listen to it. It's an obviously great show. Um, and so we thought to ourselves, you know, we've talked to a lot of different entrepreneurs and founders throughout our college days and even my grad school days. And why not just, you know, do episodes with these people and put a podcast out? Um, ourselves, you know, if how I built this can do it with these big names, we could do it with some of the people that we personally knew. Um, and so long story short, we went through a list of like 40 or 50 different names for what to call this podcast. We still have that list. Uh, and we settled on the founder hour, which we thought was a great name. A lot of people still think it's a great name. And I agree. Um, and, and our mission really was very simple. Uh, it was to interview LA based founders, right? Los Angeles based founders, and to create a community of these like-minded individuals, both from the founders and those that were listening, uh, who were into entrepreneurship. So it was always based around this idea of community and getting people that were listening or were founders or entrepreneurs involved, right? Connecting them to one another, um, you know, sharing their stories and building a community about entrepreneurship that was relatable, right? Not like, you know, this unreachable Mark Cuban guy, you know, he's a billionaire, like, again, no, no discredit to him. He's a fantastic guy. I hope he's on a podcast one day. Uh, but he's less relatable than like me and you to the people that are like me and you who are listening. And so that's how the podcast was really born. We basically, you know, got a couple of mics from Pat's friend who was, you know, he had like a music studio in his house. Uh, they have definitely not podcast mics, definitely not, you know, this professional sure mic that you're using right now. Um, and so we just started and the quality was absolute garbage. Uh, but we did it and we just would cold email people and, uh, get them on the show. Uh, I remember our first guest was a guy named D Murphy. Uh, he's the founder of Menlo club. Uh, he has his own podcast. Now they launched it after we, we, we interviewed him. Uh, a lot of people, by the way, launched their podcasts after we interviewed them. So that was a funny fact. Um, and so we were at a networking event for our school USC, uh, as alums. And this guy D Murphy was on a panel. Um, talking about, you know, business and entrepreneurship. And so right after the panel was done, uh, we both went up to him and I was like, hey, D, you know, we really loved what you said. You know, we have a podcast. It's called The Founder Hour. Uh, we'd love to have you on the show. We didn't have a podcast. We didn't have our mics yet. We had not recorded any episodes. But we needed to just get something like that going for us to be motivated to do it. Um, and so that was how we started. And then he introduced us to a couple of people. We cold emailed some of our, you know, people that we wanted. We emailed friends. And our first few episodes, that's how it launched. And then, you know, it's been three and a half years almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have 184 episodes, which is awesome. You've been doing it weekly ever since inception, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think that we've missed a few weeks. Well, when we first started, it was bi-weekly. We, right. we didn't have enough guests to release it on a weekly uh, schedule. But then we got to the point that we were getting so many guests and we're like, if we only do it bi-weekly, we're going to release 26 episodes a year, but we have like 50 interviews that are recorded. So we can't do that. Right. And so we started doing it weekly. And even today, like as I do this podcast with you, we have like seven or seven to 10 interviews that we've already recorded that have yet to be released. Um, right. And so and it's a good problem for sure. You know, some weeks you're just like, I don't feel like interviewing or, you know, we don't have anything scheduled. So it creates a good buffer. Uh, but but yeah, that's how that's how the podcast was born. Well, yeah, that's one of the keys, honestly. I mean, you know, we both work full time. Obviously, I lawyer full time. You you you're in the real estate world full time. And the thing is, is to be able to pull off a weekly show. Our show is weekly as well, has been weekly since since inception. And it's tough. It's like running a marathon. I mean, at some point, you know, you do get into a cadence and you you sort of kind of pull it off. But for anyone listening who's interested in executing a podcast, well, you really have to think ahead in terms of content so that you can avoid 
burnout so that you can avoid when life happens. So you can avoid, you know, when your day job takes over and you got to go make money doing your regular pay the bills kind of stuff. And the podcast sometimes has to take a back seat to that stuff. There are, we release on Thursdays. Um, I know you release on Mondays. 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 And, you know, for for me, there have been many nights where, you know, I'm currently very fortunate that I have an editor again. I had an editor at the beginning that was part of the being able to pull it off. At some point, that editor fell off and, um, you know, COVID happened, a bunch of other stuff happened, whatever. And I had to learn to edit and to keep the show alive on a weekly basis. There have been Wednesday nights where I was up until 3 a.m., you know, 3 a.m. into Thursday <laughs> to get the release out right on time. And uh, it's that kind of commitment. It's that kind of hard work that goes into this. But to your point, having material in the can, having material in the queue ready to go saves you and sort of gives you that that ability. But that's awesome. So so you book D Murthy D Murthy and I see D Murthy. I'm looking at your iTunes page and yep. see D Murthy at the at the very first episode. And then his podcast is actually one of the suggested ones. So that's kind of funny that you mentioned him. But yeah, that's that's so cool that you guys pulled that off. A lot of similarities between you and I, both attorneys, both law school. Um, and, you know, I, I did the same thing in, in full disclosure to anybody who's listening to this. I started listening to the Business Outlaws podcast, was looking to do something entrepreneurial to kind of stand myself out for my own sake, but also as an attorney, it's kind of dry, right? Now, I'm sure you experience the same thing in your professional life. If you go to a networking event, and you're in the room with whatever, 10 other real estate professionals, 10 other attorneys, whoever it is, what ends up happening is, is it's just, you know, going around the room, I'm so-and-so for such and such named partners firm, and we push paper better than the other guys for X, Y, Z reason. And there's no real differentiator there. And so to differentiate myself, at least thinking about differentiation, I decided to start this podcast. Some bumps in the road here and there, of course. And you're right. I mean, the first mic I ordered was like an Amazon $20 mic. Yep. And, you know, it was just like bare bones kit and the quality kind of sucked. And and even the show, the, the guests were always great, but even the show has evolved since then. And I hopefully have gotten better as a, as a presenter as well. But yeah, that's awesome. So how has this how has having this show, how has using the show to build your community, which we'll get into in a little bit, how has that amplified your professional life? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, in full transparency, one of the things that, you know, me and Pat were thinking about when we launched the Founder Hour, um, simultaneously, we had started like a marketing agency together. Um, you know, we were doing social media, advertising, things of that nature, branding. Uh, and so we had built a team of people that, you know, uh, would help us out. And we thought, okay, what better way to get business than interview, you know, the founders of these businesses. And so it, you know, that was a smaller goal, but it was one of those things that we thought, okay, why not? You know, like that's an added bonus of talking to these people shortly after, like we dropped that agency. We're like, this is not what we want to do. Not something that we enjoy at all. Um, and we just want to focus on the podcast and let's just do that to the best of our abilities. And from day one until today, we've never had ads. We've made a kind of purposeful decision to not have advertising. Same um, here, actually. You know, yeah. Yeah. In the future, if that changes, so be it. But it would have to be a significant sum of money for us to change change that. We just we just wanted this as an opportunity to learn from other people, uh, but also through these stories, have other people learn about you know business, entrepreneurship, marketing, sales, fundraising, etc. And I think, and I think we've done a good job at that. After this many episodes, uh, I think we've impacted tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people that have listened to us uh, at one point. Um, and so, you know, on that level, you know, it's been a great win. And continuously, we just focus on bettering ourselves. When it comes to business, you know, I've had a few different jobs the last three, four years since since graduating law school. Uh, I started off in hospitality consulting, uh, went into, went into residential real estate on the marketing side. Um, and then now I work at a commercial real estate firm, uh, which basically we're a full service firm. We do everything from, like you mentioned earlier, Tony, uh, tenant representation to managing properties to, uh, acquiring, uh, real estate, uh, investing, uh, you know, institutional capital partners, money, um, and everything in developing, building buildings, uh, and everything in between really. 
Um, and so in terms of how the podcast has impacted business, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Number one, when you talk to 150 plus people, uh, you know, who are all for the most part, very, very successful entrepreneurs, we don't just talk about their business, right? We talk about them as people. We talk about the industries that they're in. We talk about their outlook for the future. And so I, I gain a lot of knowledge through that about what's coming up in their industries. If it's the food industry, if it's the fashion space, if it's technology, what are the trends that we are going to see? Because these are the people that are already building it, right? We hear about it two, three years down the line, but they're already building it. I think Jeff Bezos said something like that, where like, you know, when he put out his retirement letter or whatever, he was stepping down recently that, you know, the stuff that they're working on now, we're going to see in two, three years. So like when that stuff comes out for them, it's no longer innovative. They're just always innovating. So, you know, we're in a position where when we're talking to these high level CEOs, entrepreneurs, you know, operators, et cetera, we know some of those things that they're working on, whether they tell us on the podcast or offline, or we build a relationship with them. And so from an industry standpoint, it's a good gauge for me to know, okay, this is an industry that I think is going to pop off soon. You know, this is the type of real estate that these people might need, right? These are the types of investments that this company is going to need to make, right? One of the big things, for example, would be, um, uh, what's it called? Like plant-based, right? The plant-based foods. That's something where we've been talking about with founders two, three years ago. Right. I had gone to different expos and saw, you know, these brands and CPG companies popping off. So it's only a matter of time until those become like the mainstream, which means, and it's interesting, like almost every company before the pandemic needed some form of commercial real estate, whether you're a law firm, whether you're, you know, making underwear, whether you are selling food, you're going to need an office, an industrial building or a retail building, right? One of those three, you know, or, you know, if you're a human being and you're living somewhere, you're going to need a home, a condominium, an apartment, or a townhouse, right? Like, you know, so everybody has some sort of interaction with real estate at one point of their lives, you know, whether as an individual or as a company. So that's been one, you know, thing is the knowledge. Second thing is it's like a lead, it's like a lead generation, right? Like if we're talking to somebody and we kick it up, you know, we hit it off with them and we build a relationship, it's not immediate, right? Like I'm not gonna be like, hey, Tony, you know, give me business tomorrow. Right. I have to have a relationship with you. You have to trust me. I have to trust you. You have to know that if you refer somebody to me, I'm going to do right by them because it's going to look bad, you know, to you, right? And that is a part of community building, right? Community building or, or trust is a huge part of community building, right? You can't build a community of even two people unless that second person trusts you. And over time, as that trust grows, more people become attracted to you. Eventually, those people don't even know who the community community leader was. Eventually, they just trust the followers of that original leader who are now their own leaders, right? And so trust is a big deal. And so once that level of trust is established, once they understand that Nerses knows what he's doing, he works at a reputable company, he understands he's going to be on our side. He's not only a real estate guy, he understands business, he understands marketing, he understands growth, he understands scale, he understands fundraising, right? You have to be holistic, even with as a lawyer, right? Like if you're just a lawyer, right? If you just push paper, like you said earlier, Everybody does that. Like you could teach people to push paper. You need to be able to give them some solid advice. You need to give them some practical reasons as to why they should be making the decisions that they're making, right? And so from that end, if the people that we've interviewed have any commercial real estate needs, right, whether they're looking for, you know, a new space to lease or a new building to buy or money to invest in, hopefully they'll come to me, right? And that comes from me telling them what I do. I was literally on a call right before this podcast. And I was talking to somebody about the fact that people need to talk about what they do, right? When you're building a community, whether it's through your business, whether it's through a nonprofit, whether you're running for office, if people don't know what you do, how will they know how to support you? How will they know how to follow you, right? If I don't know Tony is an attorney, why would I refer business to him? There's no, right. I, I wouldn't even know exactly. what to refer to him. I'm going to be like, oh, I remember Tony. He went to my school. He studied political science. I don't know what he's up to now, right? And, and that's that's the case for a lot of people. Like, and I'm I'm guilty of it too. So, my advice, and hopefully to the, to the, the people that are listening, you know, tell people what you do, right? Like, if it if it involves posting it on LinkedIn, posting it on your Instagram, literally texting people, you know, and saying, hey, you know, it's been a long time. I haven't been able to catch up with you. 
You know, I'd love to put 20 minutes on the calendar. Just let's just catch up. It's been a while since college. And let them know. You never know what that one person will be able to do in terms of a connection that he or she can make or perhaps something that he or she needs, right? You never know. So I think the most successful people aren't because they're the luckiest. They're not the smartest. They're not the most connected. They're the people that let people know what they do. And they're very good at marketing themselves and putting themselves out there. And it's uncomfortable. At times, it's annoying. Right? People tell me all the time, Nurses, you're posting too much on LinkedIn. You're posting too much on Instagram. But you know what? Those people know exactly what I do. They know the founder hour because I post about it every damn Monday for the last three and a half years. There's not a single follower on my Instagram that doesn't know the founder hour. Whether they listened or not is a different story. But they definitely know that I'm the host or co-host of the founder hour. Yeah, that's a great point. And I love what you talked about there. One of the things that stood out to me was the development of trust. Yep. And I look at it as, and and I'll kind of ask if you agree with this. You're right, first of all, that there's this weird stigma in the per- professional community and the network community that, you know, you go to a networking event and you're picking up leads or prospects or whatever. First of all, that is the worst way to look at networking events. One, it makes them very dry, right? Because you're just going there and you're hoping to walk out with some form of transactions, right? Whether it's how many business cards you collected or whatever it is you're doing to try to complete your deck. Um, you're, you're walking out, walking in with the wrong impression and probably walking out with the wrong impression as well. The thing is, it's a lot like dating, right? Or any form of relationship interaction. And really, it would be completely insane for you to walk up to someone who might be a potential partner and go, hey, would you like to marry me next week? Because that's what basically you're asking if you're trying to push people into a business transaction based off of one meeting, right? And I know I've read, you know, we've all read these statistics where it's like eight points of contact or whatever, and however long the sales cycle is in different industries. And really, it's relationship development and it's that thing. And what it comes down to is yes, trust, like you said, but also your values, right? Do our values sync up? People, most of the time, don't hire us because you're the lawyer that they met at some event or whatever. They hire you because yes, you happen to be an attorney that matches with their values, has a similar work ethic, has a similar style, has a similar outlook on life and finance and business and interests and things that you do on the weekend and what they see on your Instagram and your LinkedIn and all of those things. And then those values are kind of what lead as a teaser into this potential relationship. And then the trust is like the cement that really like locks it in. Right. So to your point, I I think you hit the nail on the head that that's like the, the recipe for building a community. Now, when you started the show and you know, we're talking about the podcast, but again, the, the core here that we're looking at is, building communities. And the reason that in part, we're looking at it from the perspective of the founder hour, your podcast is that, well, quite frankly, we're in a post pandemic, mid pandemic. I don't even know what phase we're in pandemic world where you have no choice, but to develop relationships digitally. And you have to build these digital communities. And I think you and I, I mean, you know, we're preaching to the converted here, right? We both believe in the fact that podcasting is an extremely powerful medium to build that. The genius of it is at least this is what, what I think. And I, by the way, everything that you said about your show we we never met before we met each other a few weeks ago online and then on the phone and now now. And everything that you said literally was the same reasoning that I started my show. We we have similar shows, obviously. And um, and it's the exact same thing. It's become more about the experience and the learning and the being a student and the sitting there and exposing my myself to people in all different industries. This past weekend, as an example. I interviewed a filmmaker from Uganda. That episode will be released two episodes probably before yours. And uh, then this morning, I interviewed somebody else as well who was a professional in the... who was a professional in the fitness and nutrition uh, space and someone who's done a TEDx talk and stuff like that. But exposing myself to a filmmaker in Uganda, a nutrition person, and now a real estate professional that's also a podcaster on the West Coast really does expand your mind and makes you a better conversationalist when you do get at bats in whatever professional space you're in 
with people from that same community because now I'll have an additional bit of information and vice versa. We'll we'll share stuff on this episode that you'll be able to take when you're approaching a, a law firm who's a little bit hipper and younger, et cetera. So really, really interesting. All right. So when, when you built the- you, And Tony, yeah. before you go, I'll give you a quick example. Um, we had recently interviewed David Rubenstein on the podcast. So David Rubenstein is the founder of the Carlisle Group. I think he's, I think he's a billionaire uh, by now. Um, he had res- recently written a book about leadership. He's interviewed, I mean, you and I, I mean, we, you and I look like amateurs, you know, next to him. He's interviewed every president, every, you know, billionaire, millionaire, CEO. I mean, like the guy's a legend, right? Um, and he worked in the Jimmy Carter administration. Uh, and one of the things he talked about was when he, when Jimmy Carter eventually lost, um, or I don't know if he lost or whatever happened, he no longer worked at the White House, right? So he got out. He also had gone to law school, David Rubenstein. Um, and he said people really liked hearing stories of my time at the White House, right? Even if they were useless stories. <laughs> I mean, like, people just liked the behind-the-scenes stuff. And David Rubenstein, so the Carlisle Group is a is like a private equity firm, essentially, that has, you know, a venture capital arm. It has a real estate investing arm. They buy distressed assets, et cetera. David wasn't a finance guy, right, or finance as a lot of people might call it. Um, <laughs> but one thing he did have was the ability to connect with people, uh, the ability to share stories, right? He's a storyteller. He talks. I mean, like, that's what he does. He's good at talking. Um, and rich people liked to hear him talking about things about the White House that they had never heard about before. So his access to people or to networks that others didn't have attracted others to him. They gained trust in him. And they gave him money, you know, in billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, right? I'm not saying everybody that knows people is going to be able to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. But in that case, what I'm saying is people like you and I, you know, who are doing this podcast stuff, I'm not doing it to make money through podcasting. I mean, frankly, if you ask me, I don't think it's a good way to make money. Like people that are going out and doing that coaching bullshit and have courses. I don't, I don't like that stuff. Like swipe up for my ebook. No, I'm not going to swipe up for your ebook. Right. (laughs) Like, who are you to tell me how to do my life? Right. Like, if you're like President Obama telling me how to run for office or how to start a grassroots campaign, maybe I'll pay for it. But I don't know who you are, random person, you know, who's coaching me. Right. It is really fascinating, isn't it? That that, that, that's like a whole cottage industry. But yes, go on. It's mind blowing. (laughs) You know, on Clubhouse, you hear all the time, like how to monetize your podcast, like coaching, write an ebook. I'm not going to do either of those things. So tell me another way to do it. Well, a quick sidebar, quick sidebar. I, I won't call out who it was because uh, they know who they are if they hear this, but there's somebody who's recently fairly prominent podcaster, won't say who it is. Um, and we we have a connection and, and we know each other, right? We we talk, we share ideas. I'm sorry to interrupt your story. We'll get right back oh, to it. Good. But this individual, I won't, I won't even say what they identify as or anything. This individual... Um, recently started something along those lines, a coaching and how to monetize and yada, yada, yada. And I got an email the other day, which was the biggest turnoff email on the planet. Cause it said, dear Tony, and then insert template email. Right. I found your show on, um, Instagram and I think it's really cool and that you have the potential to double your audience and blah, 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 blah. This is someone I've had like long hour, you know, half hour, hour long conversations and brainstorming sessions with, it was the biggest turnoff. It was the biggest turnoff. I know you're, you're sending your template, you know, uh, e-blast to your entire thing, but think about that. You sent me an email that made me feel like, oh, that's what our relationship is like. Complete barn burner, like shut it down. I would never buy anything from this person because of that. But anyways, I, I just thought that it was interesting that you pointed that out because it's so, it's so like, who buys from these people? <laughs> if you, if you, if you ever find the answer, let me know, because to me, it's like one of the most mind blowing things. It's mind boggling. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, go back to your story. Sorry. And, and I would love to touch on that, you know, even more, but for me, you know, professionally speaking, you know, the communities that I've built or the stories that I can tell through the podcast, right? I mean, we've interviewed a lot of cool people, especially, you know, in the last year, year and a half, you know the pandemic has actually helped us grow a lot. Um, you know, and, and I'm not, I, I don't want to sound insensitive. Like I wish the pandemic didn't happen. Sure. Like, of course. Sure. Of course. Um, but 
you know, we were able to take advantage of, you know, this lockdown, stay at home, not being able to, you know, interview people in person. And we were able to shift to this virtual world like you and I are doing right now um, and interview founders that we would have never sat down with in person because they weren't in Los Angeles. And so our show, show changed from being Los Angeles founders to founders around the world, right? Um, you know, just to give some names. Uh, the founder of Netflix, Mark Randolph, the founder of Lululemon, um, Chip Wilson, the founder of Tatcha, Vicky Tsai, uh, most recently, like you mentioned, Damon John, who's in New York, uh, David Rubenstein, Scaramucci, who are on the East Coast, Dave Gilboa from Borby Parker, right? Just name drop after name drop I can make. But point being, I was never going to be able to get in front of those people if there was no pandemic, because we were never going to do this thing virtually. Our whole thing was we like that person-to-person connection, that camaraderie right, that we right. have with them face-to-face, and it's unmatched. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very consistent person. I'm, you're going to get this version of me, like, in person, online, like, in digital format as a, you know, what's it called? Those, um, I can't remember the world, but they did it at Coachella where they had, like, this, like, image of, uh, who was it? Not Michael Jackson. Shit, I forgot. But anyways, like, even a fake version of me is going to be the same exact version that you're going to get anywhere. But some people aren't like that. And so I like to kind of sit down with them face to face and break them down a little bit. Again, that trust factor. Once you see me face to face, you know, my body language, I know your body language. I can break you down a little bit. If you're giving me like an unclear answer, I'm going to dig a little deeper. Right. Plus I went to law school. So I'm just going to continuously cross. <laughs> until I get what I want. Right. Um, and so that's how I am. But, but for this pandemic and, but for our pivot from, going from in-person to digital, we wouldn't have had the type of growth that we had. And so people like to listen to the stories of these successful people. Like a lot of my friends that work in commercial real estate and finance had never listened to the podcast. If not never, they had rarely listened to the podcast until we had David Rubenstein, who they considered in their minds like a living legend. And, and I don't blame them. But that's when they were like, oh, wow. And they're just, you guys are legit. I'm like, yeah, no shit, motherfucker. Like, we've been legit for three and a half years. Yeah, but seriously. What was right? I doing for the right. other 170 exactly. episodes? <laughs> exactly. But you know what? It's fine because it's the same way for me too, right? Like, I'm going to go down a podcast. I'm be like, oh, this, that's, right. that's, damn, yeah, that's sure. legit. Sure. Like, I'm going to listen to that person. I'm gonna, now I have more respect for that podcast and that podcaster, et cetera. But people reach out to us all the time. You know, they, they want to hear stories. Oh, what did this person say behind the scenes? Or, you know, is this person hiring, right? That's a big opportunity and a big part of our community is that, we have now this new access to these people straight to the founder, right? Talk about direct to consumer. We have direct to founder. Uh, we can hit them up and say, hey, you know, we have a really great person who's looking to, you know, be in this inter- industry or, you know, is looking to be mentored. Are you interested in mentoring them? Don't even give them a job. Are you interested in mentoring them? Can I make a connection to you? Just a quick email. Hey, you know, hey, Johnny, can I connect you to, you know, Amanda? Great. You know, we'd love to chat with them. And our founders love being connected to each other. Even though they can probably find their emails, us warm introing them and saying, hey, you know what? Why don't we connect the two of you guys? Next thing you know, they're on each other's podcast. Next thing you know, they're doing some deal. And to be honest, I don't care if I have no financial benefit from that. To me, that's like super dope that two of these successful founders, but for our connection, wouldn't have met or wouldn't have done business together. And I think that's pretty cool because eventually down the line, I truly believe that the universe is going to pay me back somehow. And that's my way of building communities, right? It's just like, do good by people, do be ethical, right? Do the right thing. Call out people if they're being unethical, frankly. I don't, I don't like that bullshit. Like, if I think someone's doing something wrong, I'm, I'm going to call them out, right? That's a little bit of the East Coast of me. Like, I'm just like, I'm not going to take that BS from you. Um, you know, tell them how it should be done, you know, and, and be honest with them. And eventually, people are going to be attracted to that honesty. They're like, you know, that's a genuine person. And I say it all the time. I don't, if I'm like a hiring manager, I don't, and I think you touched upon this, I don't want to hire the person that's the most qualified. I want to hire the person that's going to be honest, trustworthy, willing to learn, right? Just a good, a good culture fit because that person is going to do a lot better in the long run than somebody who knows what they're doing, in my opinion, right? And, I, and I'm one of those people that was hired because of that. I literally, I, the person that hired me, I knew them like a little bit. I had no experience in commercial real estate. I got hired back in August, 2020. And as, and the way it happened, it's funny. I'll tell you the story real quick, Tony. I was, it was through one of our uh, founder, our guests. Uh, he was looking to open a few cloud kitchens. And, um, you know, I was talking about it with somebody who works at the firm and he sent an email to his, to the firm where I'm at right now. 
and basically said, oh, if you guys come across any opportunities, let Nersess know. You know, he's a good kid. Let him know. Through that, you know, the CEO reached out to me and said, hey, you know, let me give you a couple of tips on how you do this tenant rep stuff. And I wasn't even representing our guests, by the way. He just told me, like, you know, if an opportunity arises, let me know. I was like, okay, cool. And then what turned into a phone call eventually became a weekly meeting with the CEO. One day I walked into his office. He said, okay, you're starting on Monday. Uh, and this is what you're going to be doing. We're going to create a new department. You know, you and your team are going to head it up. And that was it, literally. I don't think he's, to this day, I don't think he's seen my resume. Um, I think the company probably has it on file. But he hasn't seen my resume. I don't think he ever talked to any references. He just liked the fact that I was a hungry, motivated, driven person willing to learn and real, willing to, you know, make shit happen. And and here we are today. That's That's really it. And now I'm learning, right? I think people think learn and then get a job or learn and then get... No. Get in the door and then figure it out, right? Like, I think, I think Reed, uh, who was it? Reed Hastings or Reed Hoffman, one of them, one of the Reeds, either the LinkedIn or the Netflix. <laughs> just jump out of the cliff and then find a way to build a plane on the way down, right? And that's hard. It's hard to do. But sometimes that's what it takes to be successful. Yeah, it's great advice. And I think, look, ultimately, at the end of the day, the people out there who are listening to this, who think you should hire an expert, you've got it backwards. You need to hire the person who has the student's mentality. The expert's mind has very little options and they think they know everything. They think they have every answer. Lawyers, especially, by the way, not to get on the diatribe about yeah, lawyers, yeah. but but lawyers, as you and I know, are guilty of this 100% because you always think that you've got to act like a smart ass around your clients so that they think that you know what you're talking about. It's that imposter syndrome that I guess is inherent in attorneys. But in reality, at the end of the day, I would rather be with somebody or working with somebody that says, you know what, I don't have that answer right now, but I'm going to go do the research and I'll find the answer for you. Or I'll figure out how we can get this done. That is the type of people that you want on your team and that will help you to achieve bigger things rather than the individual who thinks they have all the answers and often don't have any. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the, that's, the ideal that's is dead to on. have a person that's both, right? Has experience and is an expert. Of course. Yeah, of course. But I think experience, rare. again, being being a student in a student's mind is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think our society, American society primarily, looks at this concept of, oh, if I don't act like I know exactly what I'm doing and what I'm talking about. Like there's no room for error. There's no room. Only now in 2021 are we finally starting to develop sort of this tell us the truth about the failures culture, right? Where it's no no more of this like Instagram BS. Show me what it took to get right. to where you are because that's right. what I want to know, right? right. And, and, and I'll make two points to that, which are great points, by the way. Number one, you know, there's a lot of people that are experts already, sure. right? But I and their leaders and their companies and their startups and their lives, personal lives, whatever. But I would say that I know a lot of experts who are also students, but not because they're personally students. They've surrounded themselves with students, right? They've surrounded themselves with different perspectives that allow them to then be good listeners, right? I think listening is a huge part of that, right? You don't have to be necessarily learning on your own or whatever. But if you're an expert in a certain industry and you've had 15, 20, 25 plus years of experience, and then there's a guy like me who's had less than a year of experience, I definitely know less than you. No questions asked, 100%. You have time in your advantage on your side that I don't. But I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective. I could be wrong, but why not just consider my perspective? Listening doesn't mean agree. Listening doesn't mean that you're going to execute. Listening just means being able to listen to that person, hear them out, hear their logical or emotional reasons, and then act, you know, based on all the facts that you have. The exactly. second point, which, I, what was the last point that you made? The last point was about how, um, let me think through my, my whole thing here, uh, was about how essentially, you know, if people, people who often claim they're experts don't know anything, and the people who have a student's mindset often find the answers that you're seeking for. I think that's what, what you're asking about, right? Right. Yeah. And honestly, if it was something else, it'll come to mind eventually. But, but yeah, I think we're definitely on the same page with that. Um, and again, when it, and it, by the way, it plays a huge role in building communities, right? Which is, which is the topic. You know, experts are usually the ones. Well, no, I can't say usually. There are a lot of experts that build communities, right? 
or a lot of people that want to be experts that build communities. The people that are the best at building communities are the ones that are listening to those around them. A leader is useless without any followers, right? You're just the person at that point. So to have followers, quote unquote, whether it is Instagram club followers, clubhouse followers, company employees, or, you know, people voting for you in office, those are all types of followers or customers that are buying your products as a follower too. So you have to not only be trusted, but you also have to listen to their feedback, right? If Tony's doing a podcast and people are like, Tony, you know what? This is not, you're not doing this part of it right. Right. Maybe you should be marketing it a little bit more. You know, again, maybe your email should be a little shorter. And you're like, you know what? Who are you to tell me what to do? I don't see you podcasting. I don't see you, you know, being a lawyer. No, but, but it, those are the person that failed. Right. But if Tony's like, you know what? I, I wonder why he's saying my email should be shorter. Maybe it's because most people have a short attention span. Most people get hundreds of emails a day and don't want to read anything. Okay. Maybe I should listen to that person, even though he or she's not an expert. Maybe I'm actually wrong, right? So I think listening is a huge part of being a leader and a building a community. There's no community without you know, people listening. Like no one who wants to be part of a community if they're not heard, if their you know, feedback or their thoughts are not you know, put out there. That's the whole point of being a part of a community is that you want to be part of a collective that's achieving a goal or creating some sort of impact together. And so the best leaders, the best community leaders are those that listen and those that are trusted. That's already two values that we've talked about, right? You talked about values. Huge, right? 100% agree. You have to be on the same page. You have to. You can, that doesn't mean you have to have the same opinions and the same mindset. We have to be on the same page at the end of the day, despite those differences. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that the if, if you asked anybody who's ever talked to me about the show directly, right? I literally, the first words out of my mouth are, if you do happen to listen to the show, one, I appreciate it, but two, please let me know what you didn't like about the show. And that's literally to anyone, because the idea is that at the end of the day, as you said, it's about the community. It's about the audience. And without them, there is no show. There's no, I'm just talking, talking for my own sake. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter who they are or what their experience is with podcasts or whatever. If you're trying to build something for the masses or for people at large, you have to get opinions from everyone and you have to be able to take those opinions and sort of let them marinate on your palate and then figure out, okay, maybe I'm going to listen to this. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not going to make this change because it's a one particular thing. Maybe I am. But you need to listen to that opinion, especially if it's criticism. Because if the people who are telling you, I love your show, don't change anything about it. If you asked 90% of them, do they, did they subscribe and do they listen on a weekly basis? Probably not. They're not the ones that you're, that you're targeting. They're probably your friends or your family or whatever, which is awesome that they're providing you with emotional support, but really that's not helping you to grow, right? Constructive criticism is the best feedback, 100%. Whether you are the president of the United States, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a founder of a company, you always think you're right, right? Like, let's say I'm in the Oval Office, I'm the president of the United States, there's a decision I need to make. I already think the decision I'm making is right, right? That's why I made that decision. But I don't want people necessarily agreeing with me. Like, that's not going to make me a better leader. I want people around me that are going to say, Nerses, you know what? I understand why you came to that conclusion, but you didn't consider this very important thing that even though you're maybe could be right, you should probably consider this other thing, right? It's not, again, the ability to change your mind isn't a bad thing. It's not, it's not weakness. In fact, it's strength. When people say, oh, you know, people call me like a flip-flopper all the time in politics. Like, I've, I supported Biden. I supported George W. Bush. I don't know. Listen, that, whatever. It's like, it's not because I give a shit about who they are as human beings, frankly, or their parties. I care about the moment in time that I think that person is best suited to run this country, right? As an American citizen, that's, I don't care about the parties. I'm not going to get, we could probably have a whole other debate and conversation. About I'm not going to go. It's like, a, well, it's like I'm, a, I'm actually with you. I, I don't yeah. affiliate with blue or red yeah. and Same. people who do mean. to me. That's why I, I'm wearing green. Yeah. So I, it's like, <laughs> hitting it right in I the middle. I affiliate with money. <laughs> I love that. No, but, awesome. but you know what I mean? So again, when it comes to building communities, I think the one thing that I've found to be the most successful um, is three things that we've talked about now. One, telling people what you do, putting yourself out there. Um, so marketing, right? That's a big part of it. Um, trust, right? 
through marketing, you also build that trust through conversations like the ones that you and I are having through, you know, going to these events pre-pandemic or hopefully even now, you know, build, meeting people. And you you gave the analogy that I always give, by the way, the one about the marrying a girl up front. It's like, I, I tell that to people like on a weekly basis. Um, and so, and I don't know where I read it. You know, I thought I came up with it, but apparently you and I did not come up with it. Apparently um, not. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe I picked yeah. it up somewhere as well. I'd there love to go. attribute it to somebody. If somebody's yeah, out there yeah, and they exactly, were the original, exactly. let me know. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and then, so, so we got marketing trust and then the ability to listen. That's three things already, right? They're super simple, like super simple things to do, but we neglect to do it, right? I talk about it with founders all the time, like newer founders of startups that listen to our podcast, reach out to us. And they say, you know, I know how to build the product. I know how to build the technology. I know how to, you know, sell the food. I know how to build this clothing item, whatever. But how do I get people to buy it? Because that's at the end of the day, that's all, that's all that matters is the sales, right? Sure, the impact is important too, but no, no sales, no impact. So the way to do it is sometimes you got to put yourself out there. I always tell people, like my wife is starting her own company. I always say, you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? If you don't like cold emailing people, focus a lot of your time on cold emailing people. If you don't like picking up the phone and talking to manufacturers or other vendors, spend a lot of your time doing that. Because eventually, because you're so scared and you're like, oh my God, you put a lot of effort, you become probably better at it just because you're practicing it more. And now that person that feared a cold email or feared the cold outreach or feared negotiating with a vendor ends up becoming really good at that. Yeah. Like, a lot of people say, forget your weaknesses, focus on your strengths. But why? I mean, why? I mean, why can't you do both? Right? You could, your strengths are your strengths. That's what you're good at. I'm very good at networking, connecting with people, gaining trust, marketing, you know, learning quickly. I'm not so good at like the minutia of like finance, for example, or, you know, underwriting a deal in my business or editing the podcast. Like Pat is the editor of the podcast. But that's, and we know, and that's why we have people that complement each other's skills, right? That's how you build a successful business, a successful team, community, is you have people that are in complementary roles, not, co not competing roles, com but complementary. So again, community is such, I love it because it's such a broad word and it applies to everything. It applies to your own family, uh, family and friends, right? I have a strong community of friends because I make an effort, seriously, I make an effort to talk to them on an almost daily basis. Right, exactly. anything, it doesn't even matter. Right? I make an effort to play tennis with them, play golf with them, to invite them over for coffee, dinner, whatever. Right? I want these people to be part of my life. Right? And as a result, that has a positive impact on your business without you even trying to make a positive impact because your best friend is going to be your best referral because they know you. They don't give a shit about who you are as a professional. They know you as a human being. Right. And if they find somebody that knows, hey, you know what? Tony's a great guy. I love sitting down with him and chatting and brainstorming and talking philosophy and politics. And then one day, you know, a friend of his wants to start a business and wants to put an LLC together. Oh, you know, you should talk to Tony, you know? And then Tony's like, exactly. you know, I'll talk exactly. to him a friend of a friend. Yep, exactly. That's a community. That's a community. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Nurses, thank you so much for your time, man. This was great. Where can people check you out? Obviously, the Founder Podcast, the Founder Hour Podcast, which is thefounderhour.com, correct? Yep. And where else can people- on Work. Instagram, it's the Founder Hour. On Twitter, it's the Founder Hour. I think on LinkedIn, it's the Founder Hour. And then personally, on you know, I'm I'm on all those platforms as well. I I've been using LinkedIn and Clubhouse a lot more than usual lately. It's a, especially again, like you said, during the pandemic, it's hard to meet people face to face. But I feel like it's also one of those things that's going to continue post pandemic. At least for me, I'm going to make an effort to also be networking digitally um, as well as in person. So LinkedIn, I'm just my name there says a potion. Clubhouse, same thing. And then luckily on Instagram, I was able to get at Posh, which was a big come up. Uh, I get, I get requests to buy that handle like on a weekly basis. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I always quote them a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, so they just like cuss me out or they never respond. <laughs> uh, I always say like, you know, my minimum offer is like $15,000 and then somehow then the next time it goes up to 25,000. Nice. Like, I'm probably not going to sell it. Uh, unless like, a huge company comes and is like, I'll pay you, I'll pay you like a serious amount of money. Right. And I'll be right. like, you know what? Fine. I won't sell to you, but like, or I will sell to you, but give me like a little piece of equity too. Nice. So, you know, you got to, to have some leverage there. Um, <laughs> hey but, man, but yeah, it's, it's like NFT trading, right? Non-fungible tokens. That's that, something that else to talk about whole, for sure. But that's a whole different yeah. problem, dude. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, hopefully you interview somebody in that space. I know we're interviewing somebody, uh, 
who is one of the founders of that space nice. in the next few weeks. Well, actually, uh, but, Cuban Cuban's big in that space. There's a, there's a few other big, you know, notable names. Kings of Leon just came out with an NFT to associate with wow. their latest album. It's sick. It's it's just totally insane. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know what to say about it anymore. But yeah, I'd love to hear you know you you talk to somebody in that space about it as well. Um, and again, like as usual, you know, if I could be helpful in any way, even though we're on separate coasts, you know, likewise, uh, man. I really appreciate you you know making an effort to reach out to me and uh, you know think that I'm worthy of being on your show. Um, and you know, I look forward to staying in touch and for your listeners out there, you know, if you ever want to connect, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm super, super responsive. Um, uh, I really make an effort. I hate when people don't respond to my texts or same. emails or whatever. Yeah, same. So I'm very, very responsive. Like, I don't care how famous somebody is. In fact, I will say this and I'll end with this, Tony. Uh, people always ask me what's the similarity between the guests that we've had on the show. And we've had, you know, you could check out on our website, very successful and very notable people. I will say that the one commonality between them is or maybe two is how kind they are and how giving they are of their time of their energy of their advice their money etc the most successful people that we've interviewed are the most responsive to me mm-hmm. right anthony scaramucci yeah, responds to my yeah. emails within half an hour wow right? he has no re- he has no reason to respond to wow. me by the way that's cool at all but that's probably why they became successful was because they were always top of mind people were always able to re- reach them Right. Being unreachable isn't like a cool thing. You know, I don't think like, yeah, oh my God, right. I can't exactly. reach you. That's not cool. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, it's uncool. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially in this exactly. day and age. So I think another piece of advice for me is like be reachable. Like be willing to put yourself out there, be willing to help others out with no, you know, with no expectation of reciprocity. And I think those are the people that end up building the greatest communities. Think about it. Barack Obama is probably one of the greatest community builders. Started yep. literally like grassroots building like an activist community and becoming president of the United States. It's not because he was the smartest person in the room. It wasn't because he was the most connected. It was because he was able to bring people together that trusted him, that respected him, and eventually voted for him. So, Yeah, man. That's a a great way to end. The the concept of doing for others without the expectation of return is really the key to success. You're right. Awesome. Narces, thank you so much, man. Keep an eye on the, on the founder hour podcast. Thanks very much. We'll connect again soon. You got it, brother. Thank you.